Welcome to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. And in this episode, we are going to talk about until debt do us part. What we're going to focus on is should you bring debt into your marriage? What kind of questions should you ask your partner prior to the marriage about debt? How, as a couple, do you handle and make decisions pertaining to debt? And what are some of the ways you can tackle marriage debt? With my special guest, Robert Prash. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we delve deep into this issue. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. And as we did say in the intro, we're going to be talking about until debt do us part with our guest, Robert Prash. But before we get into that, we're just going to go over a couple of statistics. Generally speaking, a majority of marriage marriages, couples, basically, they usually have somewhere around between eight to $12,000 of credit card debt. Now, that's just an average. There are some couples, obviously, that don't have any, and then there's some couples who have more than that. But one of the things, the reason why we're doing this episode is because, generally speaking, if you're married, and if you argue twice a week about money, there's a 30% chance that it will lead to a divorce. So that's a very, very high number. So... If, we, if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, you'll know that we have talked about this topic in different ways before, and we've mentioned that money and debt generally are always in the top three as the leading causes for divorce is usually money. It's one way, shape, or form. It's usually always in the top three. So obviously, we want to try and get this taken care of and fixed. You know, as running a podcast, we want to try and make sure that this is something that we can sort of get under control. And one of the things we're doing this for is that if you're considering getting married, we want you to have some of these, these you know, boundaries in place so that it doesn't become an issue or, or a problem when you get married. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest. Would everyone welcome Mr. Robert Prash? How you doing, sir? Hey, how are you doing? Thank you so much. For having me on, my name is Robert Frass of Creating Greatness Podcast, and uh, me and my wife been married almost four years now, been together about six, uh, so I have some relevant information for you and your audience today. That's great, great, great. Robert is, a, a like I said, a fellow podcaster and was very gracious to give a little bit of his time today to uh, jump on the podcast, so Robert, we're going to get right into it. What we're going to, you know, basically we're going to throw some questions out at you since you have been married and you're dealing with this particular topic yourself. And we're going to just ask you some questions and we're going to just hit up our objectives here a little bit. And one of the questions I do want to ask you is how, how important is it to be honest about debt in a marriage for you? Well, you know, I'm going to speak uh, primarily on my experience and my opinion. Uh, I think we're going to get to some facts that you've already went over some numbers, but I'm going to speak on my personal experience and my truth on it. And to me, honesty is the ultimate, you know, honestly is paramount in relationships. I believe that secrets create rifts that can grow over time. You know, you've always heard couples being divorced. Some of them, they don't know what happened. They just grew apart over time. And I credit some of those, secrets to those rifts that grow. And, and in my experience as well, man, it's like I unleashed all my demons to, to my wife. I mean, she's seen it all, the blood, sweat, and the tears, the ups and downs in between. And she accepted me and embraced me for all of that. And because of that, 
she felt comfortable allowing herself up to open up to me and, and be totally honest. And it really brought us uh, really close together. It's like when you let everyone see that whole aspect of you, whether it be debt or bad habits or, uh, you know, the darker side of your personality, and they stay and they accept you and they're committed to working together, I think that's when you know you have the right person. So, um, yeah, honesty is, is paramount. And I think that everyone should have a candid conversation about all their views and perspectives and, and, and luggage that they come with well before marriage. And that's a good point. You know, as, as you mentioned that, and honesty is uh, one of the things that sort of the experts say that you should do pertaining to your debts uh, as far as bringing it into a marriage. I just want to run this number by you real quick and just give me your thoughts on it. Basically, it says seven out of 10 American men and women enter into marriage with some amount of debt. And that debt primarily is either credit card debt or student loan debt. What are your, your thoughts on that? Do you, are you, I guess, are you somewhat surprised that the number is that higher? Or does that sort of make sense to you? Uh, I, I guess it's all circumstantial. So it makes sense to me. Uh, so when we, me and my wife got together, neither one of us even had good enough credit to have credit card debt. So <laughs> He didn't have that problem, but what we did have were some hospital bills and some unpaid um, household utility bills and, of course, student loans that needed to be kind of cleaned up as we move forward in our relationship. Yeah, and that's one thing that, uh, you know, when, you, when you're, you're getting married and, you know, you're, you're getting ready to, to, you know, basically they say tight or not. I always tell people, and I mention it on the podcast all the time, when you enter into a marriage, you're basically saying two people are becoming one. So everything that you do on your end is going to have an effect on that other person, whether that, that thing is good or bad. So it's very, very important when you just said to be honest and upfront in the beginning. Now, I think that without that in the very beginning, the marriage is going to be off to a pretty rough start. Oh, totally agreed. Because if you build the foundation of a relationship based upon trust and honesty, then you, you're headed in the right direction. If you can't start the thing out on the right foot and, and a relationship built on lies and deceit, it's ultimately going to be a toxic relationship for you and the other person. That's true. That's true. I want to ask you also is this particular question, and it's just saying here, what kind of conversation should you have about debt prior to the marriage? And if you and if you have the conversation and did you personally have that conversation prior to your marriage? Uh, yeah, I think that the conversation should be had. I mean, on all the particulars throughout the dating process. Uh, however, for me and my wife, we uh, were probably the typical couple as we were going in a little head over heels with some of the other emotions running a little high to where the conversations about finances and debt didn't really come into play until a little later on. Now, did you, did you, uh, I guess prior to the marriage, did you have any like counseling or anything? Did y'all talk about anything like that prior to the marriage about specifically debt or you just, you just went ahead and did it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not advocating for this behavior. You know, we were um, accused many times of jumping into things, um, and we may have and didn't have a lot of those important conversations that if you're approaching things from a little bit more of a logical perspective, you would. You know, it is about love and all those other things. But, yeah, these conversations do need to be had. And we would have been on a better footing had we had them. But um, 
the one thing we did have was commitment to each other, and we ironed all those details out as time went by. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. Other other uh, another question I do want to ask you is: Do you believe in budgeting, and if so, what is your approach to coming up with a budget per se? All right, you sure you only want to go a half hour, man? Because I've got a long laundry list of, of bullet points on budgeting. Man. All right, just throw them out there. We got plenty of time. <laughs> I love budgeting. I wholeheartedly believe in budgeting, and I use lists. I don't know if other people need charts and graphs, whatever you need to balance your budget. You know, when you're tying the knot, you're bringing the government into your relationship. You're signing a contract to be with that person. And hopefully you're already best friends and lovers, but now you're business partners. So I think it's very important to take every aspect of that relationship with the utmost seriousness. And uh, I don't just budget money. I budget everything that's a resource, time, energy, money. You know, it's all resources that your family can use. So I believe that it all could be properly allocated. And uh, I got details, but I don't want to continue going on and on about it. No, if you if you want to add a couple more, we, we, we do have time. I don't know if you want to or not. But if you do want to add a couple more little things that you, you would make a suggestion for, you can. No, I would love to add more because I think this is like of the utmost importance, man. In my career, I was a production manager, so I managed a warehouse. And now I am a stay-at-home dad and I do my podcast. So now I'm using those managing skills for my household. And a lot of people don't view it like that. And for me, it has been of the utmost benefit. So I invest time. I invest time in my endeavors to create more time together with my family. I invest energy, energy and activities that create growth and will provide more energy down the line. And then yes, of course I invest money. I don't want to give out specific uh, advice for that. But what I do is spread it out very diverse between um, stocks, crypto, 401k, life insurance. And I think a very important note here to tell people that are building a life together is costs are on the rise now and, and making more money is not the only option. For instance, with those charts and graphs that I'm talking about, I track my most expensive bills and see how I can trim those. Like in the case of gas, I went from premium to regular. In the case of water, I bought a water distiller for $300 to not continually be buying bottled water, saving the environment and my pockets. I started growing a little food and a little garden, shaving the, the, the dollar amount of produce like tomatoes and things that I can grow. And it mitigates the rising costs and creates a little bit of self-sustainability for you and your family. Well, that sounds like you're hedging your bet. And I'm glad you did mention a lot of that stuff there because most people wouldn't even think to do certain things like that. So I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, a, a, one, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, please. I was just saying it's not all on a, a one side coin. It's not all light and dark. It's not all optimism and pessimism. There's a lot to be explored there. And I think that's that's how you come up with those outside the box answers. Yeah. When you had mentioned that, you know, when you get married, you know, basically the government is now in, in your, you know, your relationship, essentially. I did an episode, the episode I did, the one before, uh, you know, I guess it was like a week or two ago. I did an episode and it was just called, is should we treat marriage like a business? And I was just basically saying it's sort of like a partnership in a certain way, because sometimes you'll have a situation to where one partner is doing more than the other one. But over the course of a long period of time, then it sort of balances and even itself out. 
So if if you're you can apply the same thing to pertaining to money as well. You know, one point some person might one of the people might be making more than the other person might make more later on down the line. So I think I I believe in the concept of yes, yes, you two are becoming one and sort of you you do kind of have to treat it sort of like a business. I agree with you in uh idea. However, I would never admit it in front of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She wants me to approach it with very much love and oh, care absolutely. and patience. And, and uh, maybe sometimes the business aspect of it is not always, you know, the most popular among women. But that's why you create a balance with your partner. That's why you match yourself up with the right person. You balance each other out in all the right ways. And like you said, sometimes your partner is not up to their best. That's when you fill in as long as it's reciprocative when you're not your best, you know, and you work each other out in that way. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a really good point. Now I'm not saying that those love and all those things don't come into play. Obviously you got, before you even get to the point of talking about the money aspect, that should be already taken care of. But I just say as a, as a whole, when you look at it as a whole entire dynamic, it kind of is this, this, this sort of like a a business in a weird way, you know, not to say it's like a, a regular privately, privately ran business, but it does have some similarities. I just say that, let's say it like that. Right. No, it's totally agreeable and, and not, not taking any way from the being uh, lovers and best friends and, and everything else to each other. It's definitely an aspect of a, the relationship and it could cause trouble, as you said, with the statistics, if it's not properly you know, taken care of, like all the rest of the things we just talked about. Sure. Now, another one question I want to ask you is, do you think it's a good idea to combine finances to tackle debt or should the person that ran up the debt pay for it all? What do you think about that? Okay, you know, once again, I just want to mention this is my experience and this is my opinion and it's coming from a person who's had a lot of toxic relationships and now has been in a healthy one for a very long time now. And my belief is that everything has to be integrated. You know, you're a team now, you're a machine and the whole thing doesn't run efficiently if any part of it is faulty. When you tie the knot with someone, you take them for all parts of who they are, the good and the bad, and hopefully they're taking you in the same way. One of the major points of marriage to me is improving the quality of life for the entire family. And I don't believe that you can do that when one person is suffering. And furthermore, you're more apt to tackle that debt together, even if it's not by combining finances. It may be by just combining financial knowledge, figuring out together. And that act in itself will bring you closer together as a couple. Yes, I I do agree with you on that. Now, I'm going to throw a little situation at you and just see. Uh, how you would answer this one if you were in a situation and the woman and not to say that this is your case but let's just say the woman wasn't transparent with you in the beginning and you found out that say she owed just to throw a number out there say fifty thousand dollars how would you react or try and handle that situation Well, once again it would be circumstantial because fifty thousand dollars worth of debt could come with a potentially beneficial trade-off right like an asset or an education that's a hot, you know, lucrative career. Right. So, you know, it, it depends on the circumstance, but I mainly would be more hurt by the dishonesty um, aspect more than the financial aspect because, uh, you know, that's indicative of bigger problems. Uh, if the woman or, or man, whoever you're with, does not feel comfortable sharing uncomfortable information with you, and that would be the problem that I address there. 
Okay, that that's that's a good answer. That's because that, basically that honesty factor is what's more at, at the, the the problem more so than the actual money is itself. For me, it certainly would be, and I would argue that it would be for anybody if you had the attention to, to pay to it. You know, the money might hit you like a ton of bricks, and then your first instinct would be to react to that. But if you really search down on a deeper level, I think you're probably more angry and hurt about the dishonesty. I mean, I certainly would be. Absolutely. One other last question I want to ask you is, is how difficult is it to manage household debt and how do you do it? You personally? Uh, yeah, once again, it, it, it's all circumstantial, uh, household dynamics, the amount of debt, the potential trade-offs that like we just talked about, whether it be assets or education. I, I think no matter whether the bill pile is small or large, I always find success in breaking those large tasks down to very small steps and attacking one of those very small steps each day or week and then watch that bill pile grow smaller. I also prioritize my debt. What can I not do without? What is the most impactful on my credit score? What credit line do I use the most? You know, which one is, uh, like I said, negatively impacting the credit score or which one can I afford to tackle in one shot? Um, and I would like to mention that if you're going after old debt, it is a nice strategy to either a go for the ones you can afford in one WAP, or uh, you can negotiate the paying of old debts with any creditor. I've done it and paid less than half on some of them. You know, one of the most important aspects to tackling debt is just stop avoiding it. You know, if you call them, they can't make you do anything. You're just gathering information so that you could move forward in, in, in your life and, and, and tackling this debt. You tell them the situation, and I'm quite sure they'll be willing to settle for a lot less. Uh, like I said, in some cases, I paid less than half. At the very least, I was able to create a manageable payment plan with them, and I could start making progress. Um, a, one side note I guess I'd like to say is like when I was spending, I was first getting credit cards. Whenever I got something with a high balance, I, I never overspent. I never spent because I had it. I used the credit cards based upon the rewards that they provided in order to spend in a smarter, more efficient way, not to go, you know, shopping for things that we didn't need. So it just comes with awareness and patience and delayed gratification and not always buying the things that you want when you want them, waiting it out and, and playing the smart game, the long game. Well, that's good that you mentioned delayed gratification because in the society we live in today, there's a whole lot of instant gratification, so it makes it a little difficult yeah. for some the people. Delayed gratification is, is something that you can apply to every single aspect of your life, and it will greatly improve your performance, your mood, your energy, your finances, everything. Because, you know, like you said, we live in this world of instant gratification. Now, I'm talking about down to the little wants like food or, or like, you know, uh, a leisure activity or you want to go on vacation or you want to buy some new clothes or whatever the case may be. If you give yourself some time and just wait, it doesn't have to be for a reason. It could be for the principle of applying this skill to your life. And then it really gives you time to think it over. And then again, in a week later, you can always go get what you're talking about if you still really want it. And you'll appreciate it all the more because you understood exactly where that money's coming from, what it's going to cost you. And then you understood that, yeah, I waited and I really want it. All right. I, I'm going to just share a quick story. I talked about it on the episode, uh, one other episode before, but when I was in my 20s, I had literally, I was living in the Boston, Massachusetts area at the time. And uh, if you're familiar with that area, it, it's a, it's basically a big giant college town is, you know, basically 20, yeah. 30 colleges within 20 minutes of each other. So obviously the nightlife was, you know, top notch back then. Mm -hmm. And as I was living there for, I was there for a little over five years, 
I had ran up substantial uh, credit card debt. So when I finally moved out of the state and I started to put all the numbers on paper and saw what I owed and versus what I had in my savings account, I literally had owed uh, over $8,000 in uh, credit card mm. debt. And I only had about $400 to my name after I put the, the security deposit on the apartment. So when you see it on paper and I saw that, that number, I said to myself, I just can't live like this anymore. So I went and tackled it and I completely got it under control in less than two years. And it pretty much was in the rearview mirror after that. And did your credit score shoot up after you did that? Oh, uh, it, it did. It didn't. The credit score does go, my credit score went up, but in my, it, was, it was a strange thing. My credit score wasn't necessarily low because I was paying the bills, but you know, I was one of those people who, if I didn't pay the minimum, I paid barely over the minimum. So, right. so I started to just up it and pay more. And just, so I started working more and spending less. And that's kind of how I got it under control. What yeah, I want to, awesome. what I want to go into real quick before we wrap up here is it's just, uh, here's a, some, there's an article I just picked out and it just talked about 10 ways to tackle marriage debt. And one right. of them you already touched on. So I'm just going to get your input on some of these as we talked about, but it says be transparent. It just it says yeah. it's very important, and like like you said earlier, to discuss and disclose your your finances to your spouse prior to the marriage, and even if that means that you know it could even lead to the person you know backing out, you you got to still be honest with them about it per se, because you just don't want to surprise anybody with owing them, you know, owing uh, more than what they they think you owe, or just throwing a number out there that might not be something that they might feel that they can't handle or, or at least come up with a plan to handle it. So you were, you were dead on there with the transparency. Another thing it says here, it says, share your, your life dreams and your money goals. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree with it. In fact, I don't know how after I've rattled off all this information to you that I skipped over that note. It uh, actually comes from a psychologist that I follow avidly, Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. And he says married couples should talk uninterrupted me no kids you know no distractions for about 90 minutes a week now of course you don't always get that but you shoot for that and the reason for those talks are to it to uh talk about vision and the direction you want to push your family in and budgeting to make sure that you're going in the right direction and that time can also be used for the communication of everything else that you need to communicate and intimacy time so those times together with just you and your, your, your spouse are very important to the longevity of your family because if you're not having those times to talk and you're both going all over the place working towards your dream, at some point you may find out that that's no longer the other person's dream, you know, because people evolve, people grow, people change. And if you're not spending that time together, you're growing apart rather than growing together. You know? So me and my wife do date nights. You know, we try to do it once a week. We don't always get it. But if we don't get the date night, we definitely have um, some time where we're like on the way back and forth from the gym where I recruit my mom to help with the kids. And we just discuss everything that's on the table, everything that's on the plate, everything that's possibly going on, and, and also share how we're feeling. No, that's, and, that's uh, good. Yeah, those moments are the best, man, because when you really get on the same page with your with your spouse and you're really backing each other up, you're like your number one cheerleader for, for each other and you're encouraging and supporting that best self and that growth and those, those best self decisions, man, it's amazing what you can accomplish in a short amount of time because like 
you're not the only one working on it now. You have that partner. You have that trusted confidant that is that has you at every step of the way, man. And it's a powerful thing in this world. That's good because one of the next things that it talks about is taking a balanced approach when you're talking about money and debt. And I think that's very important, you know, to do exactly what you said. And, and it, you know, it is hard to get that time. But if you can, yeah. uh, you know, if you have an opportunity to have a date night or where you can go out and just be separate and if these are, you know, private conversations, things you have to talk about where, you know, there's no, no children around or anything. That's a good, that's a good thing to do just simply because it sort of like pushes the reset button on things, you know, let, and let mm. each other, you know, let each other know what's actually going on, but, but what's going on, you know, and, and in our household, we don't talk about it specifically on a regular basis, but we sort of do like a, a year in review or sometimes we do like a biannually or quarterly type thing to discuss, you know, this is where we were, this is where we're at now kind of thing. Right. Well, I think that's just as effective as what me and my wife do. I mean, as long as you're getting that time where you can just put everything on the table and just make sure everyone's still on the same page and you're moving in the right direction. All right. One of the next things it just says is just prioritize paying off debt. So whenever you do get a little bit of extra money, you know, maybe put a little bit more on there so you can knock that balance down. And, you know, that can be sort of like a, you know, it can almost be like someone has got their, their, their foot on your, your, your neck, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like sometimes it can get so overwhelming. You feel like you can't really do much. You know, you're just kind of stuck. But if you, if you, if you take a, a balanced approach to it and, you know, have the partner with you and you work have a plan to pay it down. It can get done, you know, and it'll get done in a lot of situations a lot faster than you think it will be able to get done. Agreed. All right. One other thing I want to get into is one or two more. I just want to tackle. It's a bunch of them, but I can't for time constraints. I don't want to go through all of them. It just says, (laughs) whatever. I understand. Yeah. It just says spend less, earn more and pay extra towards debt. Now, one thing that I did when I had ran into a little bit of debt, I just started working a little bit extra. I started working extra hours, working a little bit longer at work at the time. And, and I used all that extra money to help pay down the debt. And like I said, I did start to spend less. And that was, you know, not being in the, the city, that helped a little bit because I wasn't, you know, out as, as much as I was. So that kind of also, you know, my spending subsided. But if you can do that, pay a little bit extra on the debt and work a little bit harder, the, the number will go down a little bit faster. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I totally agree. I agree with that. and I agree with the prioritizing. I mean, you know, it, it, that's what this is all about. It, because you didn't get into debt because, you know, you, you were a master budgeter, you know. So it all really goes back to budgeting, you know what I mean? And, and, and that delayed gratification that we talked about, that looking at our finances long-term and what we need to be spending our money on. And like for me in my household, I've always analyzed what we're spending our money on, what could be trimmed, what could be, uh, you know, done in a cheaper way. Like, you know, I've done all sorts of stuff with gas. Like I'm rewards members here, rewards member there. That stuff racks up. I get the credit cards with the points on groceries. That's my number one bill. So I need the points and rewards for groceries. And like I said, I talked about the ways to mitigate costs, and prioritizing is, is that same tool, uh, whether you're working a little more to pay down or like prioritizing. For me, I paid off like the ones I could afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were $100, $200. And then I went from that one on to the ones that would work with me. And then from that, I went to what's the one that's really hurting my credit score. So, yeah, all those tools are things that you could throw in the kit to really stamp down debt. 
a lot faster than you may think. Once you get rolling, it really is like uh, like a snowball going downhill, and it'll 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 rack down faster than you think. All right, that's 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 really good. There, the last thing it just says is get strategic about your debt, and you kind of just touched on that. You know, you had a plan. You know, some people say pay off the highest interest rate credit cards first, or some people pay say pay off the lowest balance ones first, so that you can take that money and apply it to the other ones. There's different ways to do it, different strategies. But as long as you're, you're, you're paying extra on it, that way you're not going to pay that full interest rate and that number goes down a little bit faster for you. I think that's ultimately your ultimate goal in this situation. Yeah, I mean, real quick, I, to, to close us out or get us towards the closeout, I'll tell a quick story about how I actually accomplished what I did. Because while I didn't have an astronomical amount of debt, coming into this marriage. Um, and my wife didn't either, you know, she had student loans, but it wasn't astronomical. First, what we did was gain an awareness and we got all the relevant in- information pertaining to all of our debts. And obviously there's apps you could do this. We all know about those. Number two is make sure it's correct, man. You know, we found stuff on our credit score that or reporting against our credit that wasn't even valid. So we disputed that if it was necessary. Stop avoiding it. Find out what agency is handling the debt. Ensure that they are legitimate and make the damn call. There's nothing they can do to you over the phone, man. But you can get information and give what information you want to help move forward in that debt. You could pay the total. You could get a deal. Or you can make a payment plan. Well, once again, we prioritize the ones that we could afford. We prioritize the ones that most negatively impact our score. And we pay it off in that methodical way and then we can begin to create new debt positive debt debit cards do not uh protect against fraudulent purchases or give you any points credit cards do and they also increase your credit score if you're paying them on time and we want to keep the balances around 30 percent of the balance when that bill cycle goes through so it's another thing about paying attention to when the bill cycle goes through pay it down to 30 percent of the balance and that's the way that your credit will continue to rise. And uh, see, yeah, you choose your cards wisely. I start off with a secured card, but now I choose my cards by what rewards they uh, offer. And once again, that goes back to analyzing your most expensive bill, like mine was food, and I chose cards with uh, grocery rewards, man. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that this information helps people. I know that I wish somebody was telling me this when I was climbing that mountain. Well, Robert, that was really good. And and you have provided a lot of information and you were really transparent about your situation. So I just want to say thank you for uh, coming on and, and adding all this information for to people because sometimes we don't even think about those reward type things sometimes and we just we take it for granted. But uh, there, there's some good there's some good uh, situations where some of them pay back up to five, six percent of your purchases. And so as long as you're paying it off at the end of the month, you're probably in really good shape. You're actually winning. I brought my credit card, my credit score from in the 400s to in the 700s. And sometimes I earn enough rewards on certain cards to pay the monthly bill. Wow. That's great. All right, Robert. uh, We do want to say thank you for coming on here. And uh, if you want to get in touch with Robert or anything, uh, I'm you know, Robert, if it's okay with you, you can put some of your information on the website and uh, you can tell people how to reach you if not. Sure, man. Uh, my name is Robert Prash. Once again, I go by King of Comebacks with two K's at the end on all social media platforms. 
And my podcast is Creating Greatness Podcast. You can contact me at Creating Greatness Podcast at Gmail. And uh, I appreciate you having me on, man. I had a really great time, and I'm looking forward to working together some more. Great, great. And we, I mean, that, we will definitely be doing that in the future. So without further ado, uh, we're going to wrap up. And I just want to say, what, lastly, to the audience, thank you. And I did read some of the numbers to you that we got in last week. And as you can see, the podcast is starting to grow. And I did mention that we're going to start going towards video here in a few weeks. And if you do have a Spotify account, you'll be able to watch the video in its entirety. And we will continue to go forward and keep pressing on and putting you putting out good information and good content to you and delivering it on a consistent basis. So with that being said, we are out. <laughs>